Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House podcast. Now, before we get into this one today, I just want to share that I am the biggest Ariana Grande fan ever. I don't even know why I love her so much, but I love her so much. I feel like she's everything that I'm not. She's tiny. She's cute. She's sweet. Like, I am tall and I am big and I am athletic and I am like, I am not the small little Ariana Grande. And there's something about her, not to mention that she is an incredible artist, that I'm just like, you are so cute. And I think my alter ego is Ariana Grande or maybe a small Mexican child because sounds a very weird thing for me to say, but when I am walking around Mexico, I am like, there is something about small Mexican children. They are so fucking cute. They have these little tiny ponytails. They're also cute. Like, I swear there's something about being a small Mexican child that is very, very adorable. And and it kind of makes me want one, if I'm honest. Luckily, I have a Mexican boyfriend. So at least if I ever decided that I wanted to do that, I might get half a Mexican child, something like that. Anyway, prefacing today's episode with the fact that I love Ariana Grande, I want her to be happy. I act as if I know her. Actually, this is so embarrassing. One time I went in the pattern, that that like incredible co-star, not co-star, co-star is not so good. This incredible astrology app, you can put in and run bonds with people, right? It's amazing. You can do it with your friends, your family, your partner. It's unbelievable the stuff that it comes up with. You can also run your pattern with celebrity. Obviously, I did it with Ariana Grande. It told me we would have a life-changing soulmate connection. And I'm like, yeah, I knew it. That's why I love her. Um, I also ran it with Justin Bieber. It was also pretty positive. I don't know why I'm telling you guys this, but what I wanted to say is we were going to jump on an episode, Dr. Terry and I talking about her recent breakup. The thing is, we never like to speculate on this podcast. It's not our place to speculate. It's not our place to assume. None of those things. And... She's lost a lot of weight recently. One could speculate that she's not been in a healthy relationship. One could speculate that she's gone through a huge divorce and relationship breakdown. One could speculate that there's something going on in her life. But you know what? The gossip pages say she's been in an abusive relationship, in a toxic relationship. But Dr. Terry and I decided it's not our place to comment. So we never actually did an episode on her. Then, cue waking up today... She's back in the news again. She's not at Wimbledon this time. She's not looking happy and single. Oh no, Ariana Grande is supposedly dating her wicked co-star Ethan Slater after her split with Dalton Gomez. So 
Apparently, this guy starred in the SpongeBob SquarePants musical. I have no idea who he is, but they're both going to appear in the Wicked movie. So I would guess they met on set for that. Again, we can't speculate when she's been single. Some people say that she separated from Dalton in January, which would mean that now you're kind of six months later, she's getting back on the wagon. But the truth is, we just don't know. But what we do know is that she's been relationship jumping. Now, you've only got to listen to her song, Thank You Next, that came out in 2019, where she says, Thought I didn't know was short, but he wasn't a match. Really sorry about the singing. Brought some songs about Ricky. I listen and laugh. I, don't, I can't go any higher, but I'm going to have to. Even though I got married, and for Pete, I'm so thankful. Wish I could say thank you to Malcolm, because he was an angel. God, I missed a lot of notes there. Really sorry. I'm going to blame it on the mouth ulcers that I've got that made it difficult, plus the 30 hours of recording that I've done this month that like literally I, I don't have the singing voice that I used to when I was at stage school I would try again I know I can do it better but I'm not going to my point is is she's jumped from relationship to relationship she also has gone through an insane amount of trauma I mean her ex-boyfriend Mac Miller who I'm also obsessed with him passing away I mean I can't even I can't even imagine what that would be like. She then went through the whole bombing and the whole like, tr oh God, it was so bad. And alongside that, you know, it's just been like one engagement to the next, to the next. Again, I'm not judging her. I actually will never, ever judge a celebrity because holy fuck, the trauma that they've gone through, it is not real life what they have lived. So if, if they are craving security and comfort from someone... I am not judging you. I cannot even imagine what you've been through. But between Pete Davidson, between Big Sean, between Mac Miller, between Dalton Gomez, there's been a couple of whirlwind romances there. She got engaged to Pete Davidson and it ended only four months later. So today, in light of this news, I wanted to bring back a great episode, which is the psychology of relationship jumping. Now, this was released nearly a year and a half ago, and this was for people that hate being single, the serial monogamists, the people that hate spending time alone. And me and Dr. Terry, or should I say Dr. Terry and I, dived into all things relationship jumping. We actually did this through the vehicle of looking at J-Lo. We were looking at when she went from A-Rod straight to Ben Affleck. And what I want to tell you is we're not saying that this is always going to end in tears. Look, J-Lo's married. All we can do is hope for the best. Hope that they're in couples therapy together. Hope that they've worked through the issues and challenges that caused them to break up the first time to basically take them to a healthier relationship this time. In this episode, we talk about what is going on when people just can't seem to be alone, how we use relationships as a way to avoid the pain and discomfort of feeling alone and feeling empty. And as ever, we tie this back to childhood. So we talk about how these patterns can go back to your childhood experiences. We talk about mirroring. We talk about emotional attunement and we talk about fear. Now, this for me is so interesting because I have no fear of being on my own. I'm very happy single. I don't really get very lonely. My coping mechanism with life is to be introverted, to isolate myself and to disconnect, which is why I will never judge you if you are the opposite. I will never judge you if you need connection. I will never judge you if you're so lonely that you're like, I need a boyfriend. I need a girlfriend. I want to be with someone. What I think we need more of in this world is less judgment. That was a very 
confusing way of saying that. But basically, we need to judge each other less and we need to understand each other more. So if you are jumping from relationship to relationship, if you know someone that is, I hope that me bringing back this episode from such a long time ago can give you a little insight into why people do that. The fear that might be driving these cycles and the patterns that go so much further back than how they show up today. Because when you sit at that cocktail bar next to that person you are dating, you very rarely are thinking about the childhood wounds, patterns and experiences that have driven you to this moment here on the cocktail stool today. Because let me tell you, post breakups for me, I want to be on my goddamn own I am so heartbroken. I don't want to get over someone. I don't want to get under someone. I don't want to do anything. I want to grieve. I want to feel sorry for myself. I want to reflect. I want to be like, how did I end up here? But by doing that, I feel like I have learned so much. And as you all know, that year and a half of me being fucking heartbroken, that has been the most revolutionary healing period for me. So much so that I've just recorded a part two to the heartbreak episode that I released years ago. Because still, even now, I am learning things about why that breakup impacted me the way it did, why I chose that person, why I entertained that person, why I entered into those cycles and why I was so broken when they ended. So for me, I do the opposite of relationship jumping. And I'm not saying I'm superior. I'm just saying that for me, with my introversion and my isolation, I am very good at being on my own. But I want to tell you from my standpoint, I understand that for some people, they want to get over someone by getting under someone. I get that. If you do that, I get that. But what I want you to ask yourself is why do I do this? And do I ever actually hold space to look at what is going on below the surface? Because much like me being on my own can show me my patterns and my wounds because it gives me time to self-reflect, if you relationship jump, that in itself can show you the truth too. I cover all of these things in this episode with Dr. Terry today. And I just want to remind you that Dr. Terry has actually appeared on Access Hollywood herself giving relationship advice to JLo. So this whole episode is great. I'm sure we can extract and extrapolate all the things that we spoke about for JLo, A-Rod and Ben Affleck all the way through to Queen Ari, who I love so much. And maybe one day we might be able to get her in a recording studio with us too. So Ariana, if you're listening to this, I love you. The pattern says we should be best friends. Call me. Now let's get into the main episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast with me, Louise Rumble, and my co-host, the incredible Dr. Terry Mack. Today, we are going to be talking about all things relationship jumping. What I mean by relationship jumping is you just come out of a relationship and you're already in another one. You just come out of a relationship and you're already looking for another one. Or perhaps you're going straight back to that boyfriend or girlfriend or the one before. We're going to be looking at this through the vehicle of JLo. And Dr. Terry Mack, clinical psychologist and relationship expert, is an expert on all things JLo. She has appeared on Access Hollywood recently talking about this. So we could not be in better hands. So this is a topic that I must say definitely applies less to me than some of the other things that we've spoken about. What is going on when these people just can't seem to be alone? And do you think they're even aware of that? Or do you think it's an unconscious or subconscious driver? 
I think it can be both. Usually, at least for a long period of time, it's usually unconscious. And this is a path that I've walked and that I've healed from. So I understand this path very intimately. And a lot of the people that I work with also struggle with this, where they look to relationships to make them feel legitimate, to make them feel significant, to make them feel validated or seen. Of course, we don't know we're doing that. We think we're just looking for love. We think we're just looking for a relationship. But when we're in a relationship and then that ends, if we don't have a strong connection to ourselves, if we don't have a strong sense of self, if we haven't taken the time to build a relationship with ourselves, we will feel empty. We will feel invisible. We will feel insignificant. And so we need another person, another partner, another relationship to see us and make us feel the way that we want to feel. And so our relationships are really serving a purpose that they shouldn't be serving because we need to feel whole and complete on our own so that we enter relationships feeling whole and complete. Otherwise, we're looking externally for something that we should be giving ourselves internally. Validation, attention, support. That is fascinating. I've done a lot of reading into schema therapy and one of the wounds in schema therapy is this, I guess, defectiveness schema where deep down underneath everything, you feel like you're unlovable or there's something wrong with you. And I think that that actually sounds very dramatic when you put it like that, but it's definitely something that I'm seeing that as, okay, people are using these relationships as a way to make them feel that they're worthy of being loved, accepted, someone wants them, they're good enough, they're chosen. And that's really, really interesting. So do you think that for these people that find it so uncomfortable to be on their own, that in those moments of it just being them, it's sitting with that uncomfortable feeling of them feeling like they're not chosen, they're not enough, they're not worthy. And so finding that relationship just sort of is that warm kind of smother to all of those feelings. And even if it's not the right relationship, it's better to feel smothered and warm than it is to be like cold and alone. Yes, exactly. The relationship is a way to avoid the pain and discomfort of feeling that aloneness, the emptiness, you know, looking at those feelings, tending to that wound and doing the work to heal it. And of course, like you said, a lot of times we're not even aware there's a wound that needs healing because we're so busy, we're so preoccupied with finding a partner. Some people, including myself, for years, for the first 30 years of my life, it was all about finding a man, finding a man so that I could feel worthy. And, you know, what I came to learn is it cannot and does not work that way. That's an inside job. I had to do my own healing and my own work to feel worthy on my own. Because the other problem is if we enter relationships desperate for validation, if we enter relationships needing that other person to see us constantly, to reassure us, to give us validation, they're not going to be able to do that. You know, they've got their own self to tend to, they've got other things in their life to tend to, and it's nobody else's job to make us feel significant or worthy. Of course, we want a partner who's caring and prioritizes us. But when we're entering a relationship with this wound, with this need to, to get things externally from our partner, 
it's going to sabotage the relationship. And oftentimes that's what happens with people like this, including myself and my past. We go from relationship to relationship to relationship. In the beginning, it feels so good because we're being so seen, we're being so celebrated. But that phase does not last. And if we don't have anything within ourselves, then we think it's a problem in the relationship when really it's a problem within ourself. Oh, damn. I think we just got a truth bomb there. And, you know, we've spoken in previous episodes about dating should not be a hobby. You know, it shouldn't be just going out there constantly, like looking, looking, looking. So it's super interesting to hear you talk about that people can relationship jump and then the relationship breaks down and then perhaps they blame it on the relationship rather than, you know, looking at themselves. So they just think it wasn't the right person or it wasn't the right vehicle. Do you think that you can also see this happening in people that are perhaps settling? So even if someone's like, oh, I don't relationship jump, but perhaps they're either going back to an ex or they're staying in a relationship they shouldn't. Is, Is that the same thing? Yeah, it's the same thing. It's the underlying fear of I can't be alone. I don't know how to be alone. I remember 20 years ago when I was in between relationships or it doesn't even have to be relationships. Sometimes it's having people that are thinking about us, that are texting us, having these backup plans, right? And if in, in my past, if I didn't have somebody interested in me, someone seeing me, someone desiring me, I felt sort of like a junkie, right? Because I was so addicted and so dependent on that external validation to feel like really I exist that when I didn't have somebody texting me or reaching out, or if I wasn't seeing anybody, I felt completely lost and alone. And it wasn't until I was really ready to look at that, that itself is the problem. And we can keep taking the drug, finding another relationship, finding another person to validate us, but it's going to be short-lived because anything external from us cannot make us feel good for very long. We need to continue to be constantly fed and that's nobody else's job. We love to tie things back to childhood because that's where everything starts. So say someone's listening to this and they're like, yeah, that is me. I just have had a light bulb moment that I actually don't like being on my own and I relationship jumped or I dating constantly, dating apps constantly, you know, distraction, distraction, dopamine hit, dopamine hit, dopamine hit. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you see that in practice tying back to people's childhoods? Is it that they were on their own as a child, i.e. their parents left or divorced and they were abandoned and they hated it so much that they, you know, now fill that void to ensure it doesn't happen again? Or is it the opposite where it's like they're used to being loved and smothered by their family unit? So when they're not getting that in a romantic relationship, it feels like they're not being loved or does it work both ways? Or how do you kind of tie it back to childhood? I think that would be really interesting to go into. Yeah, no, that's a great question. It could be a number of different circumstances. So it could be any of the things that you mentioned. But the two key things that are coming up right now for me as you ask that question are mirroring and emotional attunement, right? So those are fundamental needs that we all need as humans and especially as children. So mirroring is when our parents or caregivers reflect back to us 
our value, our worth, what they see in us, our gifts, our talents, what we bring to the family, what we bring to the world. And hopefully we've had parents and caregivers that have done that. Oftentimes we haven't because our parents never learned. They never got that mirroring from their parents or caregivers. So they didn't know how to do that with their children. But that mirroring gives us a sense of who we are and how we fit in the world and what's special and unique and precious about us. If we didn't get that, then we go into adulthood not understanding our gifts, our characteristics, what makes us us. Instead, we seek out relationships so that we try to repair that wound. It's like nobody saw us. And so we can't see ourselves. So we're seeking information about ourselves from other people. And this happens mostly in romantic relationships, right? Like, am I desirable? Am I worthy? Am I enough? So if we had a lack of mirroring, that can lead to this, you know, relationship hopping because we need people to validate us. The other thing that I mentioned is emotional attunement. And what that means is our parents or caregivers, we're checking in about our emotional world, about our feelings. And it was safe for us to have feelings and they could hold space for those feelings and respond because we learn about who we are through our emotions. We learn what makes us angry, what makes us sad, what we need when we're sad, what things bring us joy. And if we were not allowed to fully express our range of feelings and we didn't have parents and caregivers that asked about our internal world and made space for our internal world and celebrated our internal world, we've likely begun to cope in other ways instead of just expressing our feelings. And so we've essentially learned how to ignore ourselves and our internal world. And again, then we go into adulthood and we're not attuned to ourselves whatsoever. We don't know what we need. We don't know how we feel. We just want to feel good. We want to feel safe. And we look to other people, oftentimes romantic relationships, to get that sense. But it's not real. It's a very superficial sense of it, and it can't last. So again, like I've said in the past, it, you know, it's more about a pattern. So if you're somebody that has you know, gone through a breakup and then you met somebody shortly after, that doesn't mean that relationship isn't going to work like you said, but it's more, is this a pattern for you? People always ask, how long do I need to be single after a breakup? There is no right or wrong. There is no set amount. The most important thing though, is that you come back to yourself. And for some people, they've never been with themselves. They've never learned how to self-connect again, because of childhood roles. Maybe they were the caregiver, the one that took care of everybody else. Maybe they needed to shut down in order to survive and blend in the family. We're talking really about attunement to yourself. It is more difficult in a relationship, especially depending on our psychology. If we tend to over-focus on our partner, do too much work in the relationship, abandon ourselves. So it's sometimes easier to do that work when we're alone. However, what I want to say is, and I, you know, I've lived this, so I understand it. And I've worked with so many people who also have the struggle. The thing that keeps us from taking time to connect with ourselves and not search for another partner is fear. It could be about multiple things. You know, I'm running out of time. 
even this visceral somatic fear that comes up in our bodies about being alone. If we've had childhoods where we were never mirrored, we were never attuned to, we literally feel like we don't exist if somebody isn't seeing us. I want to say to people listening out here who maybe have this pattern of relationship hopping, it's not going to be easy. And trust me, I understand why you want to skip this step of building a relationship with yourself because it doesn't sound very sexy, right? We're so used to like the fun and the excitement of getting that validation and being desired by somebody else and starting a relationship. But if you want a relationship that is actually going to go the test of time, you need to get yourself aligned first. Mm. There's just no shortcut to that. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I will happily travel on my own. I spend a lot of time on my own. I'll easily go and sit in a coffee shop on my own. But taking this outside of the romantic setting, I have some friends that, you know, the thought of going even to a hotel for two days on their own is like their absolute worst nightmare. They can't even fathom being on their own. So does the same thing apply if you feel uncomfortable? It's because you haven't potentially connected with yourself. Or do you think it's that something that I see a lot is that we use a lot of coping mechanisms. We use a lot of distractions in life, phones, work, gym, socializing, drinking, sex, whatever. And that perhaps going to a hotel for two days where there's no one you can physically see, engage or talk with, you might end up just sat on your phone all the time because if you put the phone down and you're on your own and you don't know anyone, you have to either go swimming in the pool on your own or walking down the beach on your own. Is it the same kind of thing outside of a relationship? I think it can be. Sometimes there's a fear there of like, what are other people going to think? People, you know, we have these stories that we run in our minds about, I'm such a loser if I'm in a cafe by myself, or people are going to know I'm single and I don't have anybody that loves me. I mean, so that could be at play. But I think also what you're talking about is the same thing. If we're alone on vacation and we have not built a relationship with ourselves. if we don't enjoy being by ourselves with ourselves, if we haven't discovered that we're fun <laughs> and it's actually enjoyable to just be with ourselves, we don't have to take care of anybody else. We can just focus on ourselves. Then it can be really uncomfortable. And a lot of times I have people tell me, you know, I'm, I'm great when I'm busy, but when I'm just being I get really anxious. I get really sad because, you know, I'm just alone with my thoughts. But you can't run from those thoughts and those feelings forever. At some point, you're going to have to stop and pay attention to yourself. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? And what needs to be addressed? And let's talk about the people that go back to what is familiar. JLo, here we go. She came straight out of an engagement and it was all very whirlwind and quite intense and their kids were together and they started all these businesses together. And then literally like however long later, she was right back with her ex. So what is going on there? What words of advice have you got for JLo? Let's go into that. Well, it's funny you you asked that because the first time I was on Access Hollywood, I was giving advice to JLo and basically tell it was right after the breakup with A-Rod and I was telling her, stay single, right? JLo's been married three times, engaged, I forget exactly, but maybe five times. She's only ever had a couple months in between relationships. So she is like the classic 
relationship hopper. And I can totally empathize with that. So when she broke up with A-Rod, I was on Access Hollywood saying, you know, J-Lo really needs to take time for herself. The second time I was on Access Hollywood, we were talking about J-Lo and Ben and them being a couple. So she didn't listen to me. (laughs) And you know what? Like, we'll see what happens. I I would never root against someone, but J-Lo has this pattern. And so it usually does not bode well for relationships. So you know, time will tell what's going to happen with her and Ben. But for somebody listening who has this pattern, I just want to tell you, first of all, there are reasons why you are afraid to be alone. And we always want to look for understanding in our patterns and in our thoughts and habits with compassion and never judgment. Because everything that we've done, we've done for a reason. It's made sense. It's kept us feeling safe. And judging ourselves is pointless and it actually takes us out of alignment. The more compassionate and supportive we are as we start to be curious about our patterns, like, I wonder why it's so hard for me to be alone. Why do I get that panicky feeling or that jittery feeling or that fear feeling if nobody's talking to me or I'm not talking to anybody, even though maybe I know it'd be good for me to spend some months by myself, why don't I ever do that? You know, you can start to just ask yourself the questions. And when we become aware of our patterns, we may still continue to engage in those same patterns, but we're going to have that level of awareness is going to make it less fun (laughs) and less comfortable. So that's always the first step of change. And you literally can change your brain. You can change your molecules. You can change yourself so that you don't want to do that anymore. It's not appealing. It doesn't feel comfortable anymore. And I'm an example of that. I have hundreds of clients that are examples of that. You know, you don't have to be desperate and dependent on validation of a relationship to feel good and joyful and significant in your life. Yeah, that's beautiful. To wrap this up, I think I would just say that these last 11 months that I've spent on my own after the most harrowing breakup have been the most eye-opening 11 months of my life. I am a different person today because of being on my own for these 11 months. I am a totally different person. Everything I think about myself, everything I think about love, everything I want in a relationship, everything I want in a partner, you know, my shopping list has totally changed my whole self-reflection of my traits and my personality totally changed. I've understood what I want in a relationship, what I don't want in a relationship. Had I jumped into another relationship straight away, I would not have done that work. And as someone that is in their 30s and dating, it's important that we maybe start to slow things down and get it right, make better decisions. I always say, in your 20s, it's easy to relationship jump. You've got less to lose. Obviously, it's great if you don't. But when you get into your 30s, time is less on your side than it is in your 20s. So I just think it's great to slow down, do a little bit of work on yourself. I think in the long run, it's the most revolutionary thing you can do. For anyone listening who finds it uncomfortable to be on your own, just start small. You know, a walk where you walk somewhere and you don't be on your phone. You don't listen to a podcast or go and sit in a coffee shop and don't sit on your phone. 
or just spend half a day on your own on the weekend and don't lie in front of Netflix. See, is there a book you can read? Is there something on the radio? Something that you don't necessarily do. I think it's really good for us like, in terms of neuroplasticity and rewiring to do these different things that our brain is not used to. And any other tips from you in terms of how to start to break these cycles? Everything you just said, and I would also say it's a practice of starting to attune to yourself. Yeah. You know, that attunement you didn't get, you can give it to yourself. You check in and say, how am I feeling? What do I need? And even asking yourself, what would I enjoy doing? What lights me up? Go try some new things. Learn how to spend time with yourself in ways that are fun and enjoyable. Yeah. And I think physically as well, you know, a lot of what I do in therapy, which I found so weird when my therapist wanted me to do it at first, was when we always talk about my little inner child, it's very cold and it's very lonely and it's very abandoned. We always talk about warming it up. So things like warm food and warm slippers and like even warm touch. So sometimes in sessions, she'll get me to put my hand on my heart or get me to hug myself. And honestly, when I first started it, I was like, this makes me so incredibly uncomfortable. Like what the F are we doing? And now, now over time, I'm like, yeah, I need to check in with myself because if I can't check in and compassionately warm myself up, then forever I'm going to be relying on someone else to warm me up. So physical touch as well. Thank you so much for sharing. And to everyone listening, message us. Let us know what stories and narratives you picked up in childhood, what ones you've been working on. If you enjoyed this episode, please do let us know. Please put it on your story and we'll be sure to give you a shout out too. So Dr. Terry, as ever, incredible. I feel like we've just delivered like five months of therapy here in the space of like... 35, 40 minutes or something like that. So thank you for everything. And I love you so much. And I will speak to you soon. Love you too. Bye.